Yo, welcome into another episode of It's Capturing the Game, the Game Within the Game podcast featuring me, your host, Desmond Jones. I'm a man, it's the one and only, Juwan Polo Man Stewart. Today we got another special guest in the building, but before we get into it, I want to remind the audience and listeners that Capturing the Game is presented by Capture Sports Agency, where the CEO and founder is Sean Tesman Jones. Now let's go ahead and talk about today's guest. Today, we bring to you the senior lead of global market, global brand marketing and basketball at Under Armour. His name is Jay Shaminsky. Jay, how's it going? Doing all right. I'm doing all right. How are you guys doing? We're doing good, man. I got to I gotta give myself a round of applause. I think I, I, I nailed the last name just fine. Yep. Approved. <laughs> let's go. I'm winning today. We're not butchering names. That's the whole goal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're off to a strong start. Juwan, what you going to say? All right, same thing. Yeah. So far, you, you, it's early. It's only been a month, so we'll... That's so all right. Say, you know, it's only been a month. You're right. Okay. I ain't going to celebrate. You got to at least early. get... You got to get about four or five in before we... Four or five months in before we say, like, yeah, he's, he's making strides. I, I'll make sure I just book all the English names, like all the ones I know I can pronounce. And then I think you I might butcher it. one of them next. I probably would, <laughs> but Jay, can you go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, as you said, I'm over at Under Armour Basketball, um, leading up our, our brand marketing within, within the basketball space. Uh, so I'm based in Baltimore, Maryland, moved down here about four years ago for, for the position originally. Uh, from New England. I grew up in, in Providence and then lived in Boston uh, before coming down, coming down to Baltimore. And, um, you know, otherwise outside of kind of basketball, um, I've done a bunch of traveling. I played lacrosse in college, played overseas for a little while. And that's about it. You know, hanging out in Baltimore now. <laughs> so how is it going from the New England area to Baltimore? Like what's the is it culturally the same? Is it more, a little bit different of beat? Is it, you know, how is it compared to hometown versus a new place you live in? Yeah, I mean, there, culturally it's a, a little bit different, but I think there are some themes that kind of play through that feel familiar to me, uh, particularly coming from Providence originally as opposed to Boston. Um, I kind of, when people ask me this question, kind of compare it to like Baltimore to DC is like Providence to Boston in a lot of ways, you know, it's a smaller city. Um, Providence has, you know, a really big um, college influence because of that. There's a really big art school, like uh, with RISD, big art scene, big music scene, big restaurant scene, uh, much more about kind of like DIY opportunities and people kind of building things for themselves as opposed to like the larger, more gentrified city that you're in the shadow of. And I feel like Baltimore is very much that way as well. Like there's a great creator scene around here. Um, again, like a lot of really good restaurants, great like um, art museums, um, a lot of like really cool uh, venues for you know, bands that are coming through and even just like a, a great local music scene as well. Um, I'd say there's a little bit more of like a broader culture and mixing of cultures. I think New England is a bit more uh, like Eurocentric in a lot of ways um, and just kind of the way that immigration patterns have come through over time, which is a little bit different uh, down here in Baltimore, but, uh, but it's been good. I mean, I, I appreciate it. I, I like, I like being a city. It's got a little bit more of like a creator vibe to it in a place where, you know, people are investing in the community around here and trying to build something as opposed to having be just, I don't know, importing of that. Interesting. Yeah. So you played overseas. I played lacrosse. So, <laughs> I mean, as we, as we get into the, uh, it's, you know, the, the more of like what I do in my, my day-to-day job lacrosse is a very niche sport, a very different sport. Um, but kind of growing up in new England, um, you know, had exposure to it, uh, played in college. And then my first like official job out of college, uh, I went to England and played in coach in England for, for a year. And then did some traveling on the back of that, uh, before coming back to the States and then actually getting into like what my real, you know, career path ended up being. So, so go ahead and walk us through us that 
like walk us through that. Like, how did you end up at Under Armour? Like, did you did you start up at Under Armour at, at Under Armour right out the gate as the senior lead, or did you have to work your way up to being that? Oh man, I mean, I had to work my way up in terms of uh, kind of like experience and just you know up to that that level for one, and then also uh, with within the marketing space as well. So like, I didn't. I never started with a trajectory that was like um, in sports to begin with um, beyond you know playing a sport, but I didn't work for a brand or a team or anything like that. Um, and even when I left school, like I didn't really know what I wanted to be doing. And, you know, it was a little bit of trial, trial and error until, you know, I kind of followed the areas I was interested in and, and wound my way here. So that was a very long intro to <laughs> even like longer stories. So I'll try to, keep it a little bit shorter there, but essentially when I left, uh, when I left school, my, I went to a liberal arts school and had a, a political science degree. Um, and so after playing lacrosse was through connections that I had made, um, landed in a position in advocacy and, and government affairs work. And that was kind of tied into, you know, that political science degree. And at that same time, was when digital marketing and digital advocacy was like really starting to, to pick up steam. So I'm dating myself a bit, but it was like back in the days when email marketing was kind of hitting its stride, when social media marketing was like really starting to pick up with like Facebook and Twitter. <laughs> um, and with the advocacy work that we were doing, I became actually really interested in how we support that through email marketing, through social media to get more attention to the work that we're doing get more people involved, um, kind of build out some community support for it and so on. And so I really started gravitating toward that component of my job. And then because of the position that I was in, I started looking for others where I could get more experience in that field and kind of build it, build out my skill set. Um, so I ended up moving to a few other nonprofits and kind of that's how it worked. You know, I, I started with like a deep kind of skill set in email marketing and all the, you know, the strategy and everything that goes behind it built out a skill set a little bit more into social media marketing. And as, you know, channels started, um, you know, broadening and there were more options, um, how to build a strategy against those channels that, you know, complemented what a particular organization be doing in email and then started working in search marketing and, and all of those elements. And I got to a point where, um, you know, I was kind of thinking, looking at where I was in my career and saying, I, I like what I do, but now what, what I want to do it for, you know, where, where would I want to apply myself and what's like kind of the industry or space that I'd want to work in. And that's when sports came back, you know, kind of into my life or into a little bit of a focus. Cause it's like, you know, what I like outside of what I do day in and day out is, you know, is the sports world and, you know, being an athlete and a former athlete, that's what I felt connected to and passionate about. Uh, and so I did the typical thing. I applied to, I don't know, you know, different sports teams. I applied to different brands and I heard nothing back. Yeah, you know, it was just <laughs> silence. And so I said, all right, well, if I'm looking at my, my skills and where I am, clearly there's something that is not resonating or I'm not able to kind of get in, get in the door there. So at that point, I actually um, applied and moved into uh, the agency, agency world and worked for a creative um, ad agency based out of Boston in New York. Um, and that was where doors actually then started opening up again, again or actually started opening period. Um, and so that, at, you know, through that step, I got a lot more exposure to bigger brands, uh, working on bigger brands, how bigger brands operate, working within those kind of budgets um, and also exposure to what a full service agency does and like the different components to it. So brand brand building and working with brand planning teams, media planning um, and how, you know, media teams build out uh, their strategies and work with their work with their budgets, uh, creative teams and how you brief in creative teams and you take core insights from a brand planning team to then distill that down into creative and then the type of creative that needs to the, then feed into what the media team is doing. Like all of those different components that I never really had much exposure to plus having those bigger brands and ad agency on my resume, the jobs I was applying to before, suddenly I was getting calls back, you know, callbacks for, um, which was great. And that's what ended up, you know, opening the door to an opportunity with 
Under Armour. Um, and as I said before, you know, moved down to Baltimore uh, for a position here. And I, and I started on what at the time was called our consumer engagement team. What, so really, we really worked hand in hand with a brand um, marketing team. And they would say, we have a product that's going to be launched or we're trying to support Steph Curry in uh, the release of, I'll make up the Curry six in a particular season. And I would work with them to then build out what that campaign looks like. And when I started, I was actually supporting the run and basketball teams. So those were the two teams that I was um, working with closely. And then over time, you know, it was definitely way more interested on the basketball side of that equation um, and just moved into, you know, a few various roles that were much more basketball centric um, until, you know, landing in, in the position that I'm at now. So that's the, the long, that's the short version of the long story, still kind of long. So we'll take like the medium, medium length of that story, uh, but kind of, you know, how I bounced around and, you know, seeing different opportunities and trying to make kind of a conscious decision to move in the directions that, um, you know, I was finding myself a bit more interested in. Still a good story regardless of long, medium, or short, still, you know, it's the good details that we need to, that we're, that we're getting here that we, that we yeah. like, you know. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, don't, don't be afraid to, even if you, if you answer, you feel all the answers long, it doesn't matter, you know, capture on <laughs> capture the game. We like to capture the whole story, not just bits and pieces of it. You know, we like to capture, capture everything. So don't, you know, don't feel ashamed if you feel as though you're long, you're long winded, you know, you know, your answers, your answers, your story. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, there were a few other kind of, um, I'd say like detours, uh, somewhat along the way, um, you know, just working with, uh, with some, some other nonprofits and, and doing work, uh, overseas as well and getting experiences there, um, beyond, um, beyond England, but in sub-Saharan Africa, um, for, for a bit too. Wow. So when it comes to, all right, I'm gonna ask that question next. But I wanna, I wanna get into this question first. You know, what is one thing that people mistake your job title for? Yeah, uh, that's an easy one <laughs> um, because I, I get this a lot. Uh, the the biggest thing that people mistake is sports marketing versus brand marketing. Um, so a lot of times people ask me about brand marketing questions, but they'll call it sports marketing because you know, I'm in the sport um, and athletic space. But for us, sports marketing is actually um, a different team. And, you know, they're really uh, tasked and work, work on, you know, who do you sign and partner with um, from a player perspective that can help build the brand and, um, you know, has qualities and characteristics that help tell the brand story. And there's, you know, a good connection with that player and then the audience that we're looking to engage. Um, it's also our partnerships. So if we partner with the NBA, if we partner with particular conferences, um, if we partner with uh, in particular college programs and so on and building out kind of those portfolios within, within different sports. Um, and then even like our grassroots um, our grassroots components as well. So from a basketball lens, that's our uh, UAA circuit and some uh, of the UA Next work that we'll, we'll be doing um, over the coming year. Um, and like football, that's our All-America game. Um, and lacrosse, that's our All-America game and, and some other things. So that's like the biggest uh, thing that people kind of be like, oh, what's it like to work in sports marketing? Or ask me things that are like kind of sports marketing related. And so actually like what I do is brand marketing. <laughs> it's like a very... I don't know. It's a nuanced thing within the space that if you're not in that structure, you don't know that there's actually a difference between the two. Yeah, thank you for letting us know because I know I was when I was preparing for this interview, I'm like, yo, I want to make sure I ask some questions that's geared towards, you know, his career and not something that's like off rail. It's not exactly what he do, but you can kind of relate and talk about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and of course, like, you know, what I work hand in hand with those teams and, you know, the work that, that I do in terms of defining um, what our category positioning is, the strategy behind, you know, our category and how we bring that to life. A part of that is, you know, sports marketing and, and the players and programs that we work with as well and identifying those. Yeah. 
And I'll say too, the Under Armour to me has come a long way from when I was in, you know, middle school and high school, just because of, it wasn't known for like being in basketball or any other sport, really just football. Like I remember it was just a football gear. Like, Oh, you get some Under Armour. Hey, oh yeah. You good. Like compressions. You good. That's good. That's good. Top of the line. But then, you know, when you emerge like the Steph Curry's and stuff of that, now you got a different facet of, you know, excitement to Under Armour. And it's like, oh, okay, now they're in basketball. Like, oh, okay. Okay. Like, you know, that's what it is now. Like, okay, yeah. Like now, I mean, they're considered one of the, you know, top brands in, you know, basketball apparel. You can just go get some Under Armour gear for basketball now. Like, oh, all right, cool. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, football is, is certainly where we started. And then as I was talking about before playing lacrosse, it's like just as you were mentioning with like football and, and being able to wear something under your pads, it was the same thing with lacrosse. Like I yeah. played in, in, in New England. It's not warm there. And like yeah. the long, the, um, the cold gear was like the best stuff because otherwise you're wearing like long, heavy cotton t-shirts mm-hmm. pads and stuff. Um, I know like hockey, you know, it's very similar as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, a few years back, and I mean, a few years back, it's like 10 years at this point, right, you know, it's right. a conscious decision to, to expand our portfolio and grow into other sports. And, um, you know, we've made, we've made moves in basketball and I think there have been kind of some, you know, fits and starts a little bit, um, you know, particularly over the past couple of years. And, you know, now we're, are really looking to, um, you know, maintain the foothold that we started with, you know, with Steph and, and working with guys like Joel and, and others, um, and, you know, using that as a bit of a springboard to, to build off of and a platform to build from. Awesome. So what, so after you talked about, you know, like brand marketing, you know, what does your, you know, day-to-day activities look like from the day-to-day? Yeah. So it, the day-to-day is like, is essentially working in multiple seasons at one time and it's a balance of future planning and you know planning for future seasons while still working to execute um, current work and then kind of looking back at past performance to inform the future. So you can, you can kind of think of it as this like giant cycle or circle, um, but to take you know, a step back from that to give you a little context into uh, how we're structured so that'll help answer that a little bit more. We look at the year as a full year, and then that's broken out into basically the first half of the year and the second half of the year. And first half is spring, summer, second half is fall, winter. And so for 2022, right now, we're in our spring, summer 2022 season um, and are working on how we're bringing together the previously established, you know, 2022 plan, the moments that we would look to activate and be present at, how we support our athletes, um, the different products that we'd be releasing, um, and what the support looks like for those and, and building interest in those products. Um, then, you know, we're, we're preparing for fall winter 22 that's coming up. So that's doing some of the, again, the plan has been established. It's been aligned on, it's been agreed on. Now it's about, you know, getting photo shoots set up in order to have the creative for um, different product campaigns. It's about getting time with our athletes for different moments that are in the calendar that we'll look to have, you know, social content around or whatever it may be. Um, and now, you know, we're looking and planning at spring, summer 23 and how we're going to approach that season based on previous learnings and insights. And then fall winter 23, we're starting to have conversations around what the products are, you know, what their differentiators are, how we would start to look to support those and which ones um, we'll prioritize. Um, and plan around. So it's kind of this like this constant cycle that is ever moving down the calendar. And then wherever you are in it is kind of like the season you're working on and then you're, you know, and executing on. And then it's, you know, various stages of planning um, for the future ones. And then ultimately, you know, we have our, what we call LRPs or our long range plans um, and contributing to those. So we know, you know, where we're trying to get to, what the ultimate category vision is that we're feeding into how that fits within our overall brand portfolio. Um, and then, you know, the business establishing the business targets that we'll be looking to get at year over year that cascade down into all those multiple seasons that I was just talking about. Um, so the day-to-day, <laughs> a lot of context there. It's, you know, it's, it's a balance between all those different things, depending upon just like where we are in the cycle. Um, but those are all the different types of 
I, I would say kind of like business challenges um, and I don't want to say problems, they're not problems, but things that you're looking to answer and solve for um, on any kind of given day. I see me and John got like the same expressions right now because I'm looking at him. He's just like, yo, what? <laughs> like it, it, see, it really does take a lot. I, I think about just the fact that you started off mentioning where you have to start off by executing the current season, but also planning for the future season, but also you're still evaluating past stuff that has took place. You know, that's a lot of processing and executing going on all at one time. Yeah, and I mean, of course, it doesn't sit just with me. I mean, we have teams that right. that we work on, work with, and and work within. Um, and then you know, we're set up, and I mean, most you know, most brands are with you know, cross-functional support. So you know, there'll be opportunities where we'll have, I don't know, a campaign. Um, we'll have a moment like All Star Week coming up. Um, we'll have a moment like WNBA tip-off coming up. And we'll brief, you know, a variety of teams on this is kind of our our goal at that within that moment, um, how we're looking to position ourselves, and then those teams will start to build out what those tactical plans look like, and that can be anything from media planning and advertising against you know those moments. Uh, social um, is a, you know a huge one for us, and, and building out social content. Um, against those moments, you know, comms team or comms work, any philanthropic work, um, and then uh, sports marketing as well. And like how our athletes are involved and are potentially being like kind of tapped um, in for those moments as well. Cool. Okay. So as a scenario, but let's go scenario based here. So with, like you said, all-star weekend coming up with, with basketball, you got two athletes, you know, uh, one on the West Coast with Steph, and then you got Embiid and on the East Coast doing his thing, both all-stars. How would, I guess, from a, the team's perspective for you, how would you scope out opportunities for branding or making things kind of pop more to the eye for those, for those players or people that you're trying to, your audience, basically? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, there are two kind of main audiences that you're looking at within within those moments because you have a physical activation and moment so there are the people that are physically attending and building an experience mm-hmm. on the ground uh, for them now this year will be different because of covid the last couple of years have been different because of covid so that component has been a tricky one and it's been a moving target um, for the past few years unlike uh I don't mean any time that I've been involved with it. And then you know, the second piece are the people who are not there in the broader audience that you're looking to, to engage with when they're, they're tapped in and they're dialed in on a moment like All-Star. So how do you create a moment that is special for the people who are there, but then can also be amplified and deliver um, across multiple channels and be kind of multidimensional so that you know, it picks up coverage and interest from a social perspective and from a perspective for the people who aren't there in person. Uh, and then also just, you know, how are you taking um, components that are, are happening, um, you know, in real time and building kind of like a, you know, storytelling around that and capturing that to then associate your brand with, um, with our athletes, uh, but then also with the moment as well and kind of the credibility that comes along with that. And so in this instance, in the, you know, the, the um, all-Star Week coming up, there's the HBCU Classic, which you know has um, two Under Armour schools participating in it. We have, as you mentioned, Joel and Steph, um, who have been selected. Uh, we have potential for um, some selections within the, I know it's a, it's a changed format this year, so catch me if my, if my wording's not correct, but you know, essentially the rookie sophomore um, game and then, you know, some of the skills competitions as well. And so, you know, there's opportunities there for product showcases. There are opportunities there for, um, you know, kind of behind the scenes and bringing audiences into what our athletes are doing and how they're participating um, in the moment, which all kind of get to that brand association and connection. Uh, And then, you know, the, the bigger piece is kind of the custom uh, storytelling and kind of endemic work that we can be doing again a little hampered by what it could be on the ground and kind of creating a you know a buzz buzzy type moment um but still you know how are you how are you somehow 
able to deliver you know your positioning and what sets us apart from all the other brands that will be represented there um and that are our, our competition um through how we activate a particular moment but i would say those are kind of the two i don't know elements that you're looking to balance and and uh kind of use to tap into that a particular moment man all right <laughs> the, um no i you know i find it fascinating just everything that it takes to really uh plan for opportunities like that you know uh the stuff that you mentioned like you know any event even just for going coming from the hbcu classic to just the main event you know even, even the stuff behind the scenes and probably you know i know typically you know during all-star weekend sometimes it's like other parties or events that goes on that you're now on the calendar so like special events and stuff that takes place so even going and planning and branding stuff like that it's a lot of game planning and executing yeah of course and you have and that that's what will be all part of you know our seasonal plan our our seasonal approaches so you know uh as i was kind of talking about it now you know we're at a point with spring summer 23 where we're starting to lock all those things in and then once there's alignment on it you know we start planning for it um you know months months in advance uh to get to you know where we are now and you know the pieces are in place and you're starting to to activate against uh, whatever those moments are. Um, what are some things that you had to learn um, that you wish you knew in the beginning? <laughs> uh, in the beginning of my career, in the beginning of UA, I mean, Ooh, I, I'll, I'll 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 say the beginning of your time being under armor. Actually, no, let's go whole career. I'll just do whole career. Yeah, whole career. career yeah i'll answer both i mean i'll put it out there and then i'll answer both <laughs> uh career i think it's a little bit more of like patience and and i still have to remind myself of this as well i think because we have so much more exposure um as a broader society now to what other people are doing and where they are there it's very easy to get kind of caught up or trapped in um oh man you know this person moved into this position or they're at this point in their career and, you know, I'm where I am or whatever it may be. Um, and, you know, that that's certainly kind of a trap because of, you know, everyone has their experiences and where they're coming from and, and where what they value and put priority on and in the ways that they kind of develop um, themselves. And so I think the biggest thing, particularly when I was younger, was just having more patience and not feeling like I had to be at a certain point by a certain age um, in order to feel like satisfied or fulfilled or like I'm, you know, keeping track or whatever it may be. I mean, of course, you want to have progress and, and be determined and have drive, but you also have to understand, you know, the bigger picture that you're working through and have a little bit of self-awareness of, of where you are and that, you know, you're kind of in the unique situation that is your life. Um, so that would be the kind of the biggest one for me. And something, like I said, I still have to remind myself that like on a, on a daily basis, uh, or I would say daily, but you know, pretty frequently. Um, and then man with UA, I think I'm trying to think of like what the experience was like when I first started. And I think some of it, it did take me a while to almost kind of like get my bearings in how the company was structured in the nuances of um, almost like the the athletic apparel space. And, and I think most of the brands in our competition are probably structured very similarly. But because I had come from a non-profit nonpro world into an agency world, um, then coming into uh, a, a company within this larger category, I didn't fully understand like, you know, what all the teams were and how they work together. And then like the processes that, you know, I kind of mapped out in terms of our long-term planning versus our seasonal planning versus our, you know, kind of executional planning, like just all that type of structure. Um, it, <laughs> it would have been helpful to have, I think, piece it together a bit earlier 
And that's nothing against the company. I mean, it, it does, you know, kind of get laid out for you and you are, you know, introduced to all your teams and everything, but it's, it's a lot to uh, put together when you're also just trying to figure out like a new place and a new role and like all of those things as well. So I think that would put, would have been something that would have been, uh, you know, really advantageous to be able to walk into with a little more familiarity. Word. That's, um, yeah, having, it's always interesting. And I, I look back at my own career too, because um, I'm engineering and I'm getting ready to start up a new role within the company. I'm getting ready to switch over to being a manager. And I always think back to the stuff I knew day one versus where I'm at now. And even now when I'm switching roles, I'm, I feel like there's some stuff that I'm gonna wish that I knew, like it's gonna be like five months from now. I'm like, dang, I wish I knew, you know, three months, three, I wish I knew this three months ago, but here I am now, just now, you know, making these decisions or, you know, trying to figure out what's the best, best thing to do. Yeah, but I mean, that also, I think that goes back to my first point in terms of like patience and being yeah, patient with yourself. And like one thing that I always, try to have a little, you know, kind of forgiveness with myself as well, because I think it can be very self-critical, um, is that when you're making decisions and looking back at work that you've done, you have to um, you know, kind of realize that you made the best decision that you could have with what you knew at that, that time. And now, you know, time has advanced and you're looking at it in hindsight and have information that you didn't have at that point in time. And, you know, in a lot of ways, and even, you know, kind of being critical of other folks, it's like, you know, everyone's, it's a cliche, but you know, everyone's doing the best that they can. And, you know, they're figuring, you know, they're figuring out as much as the next person. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to, I'm trying to utilize that patience part the most. Um, and that even just comes with trying to get stuff done for the day. Like, no, you, you can't get, you know, all that stuff done today, you know, focus on what you can get done for the day and just move on, you know, just, and also just that you, like, I think I felt like me and you are like always kind of self-criticizing yourself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I try not to get into that, that rabbit hole with that. Cause I'll get to the point where I'm like, Ooh, I don't want to do anything because I'm still trying to process how to do or why I did what I did. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, man, that's too, yeah, I, I feel like we, I'm right here with you on that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And ex expectations for the day. That's, that's another big one for yeah. me as well. Um, and being able to set, you know, kind of realistic, realistic expectations. Um, because if you go in the day and you're like, oh, I'm going to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and you only get to like C, then every day feels like a failure. <laughs> and that is a really tough mentality in the day in, day out, um, you know, working life uh, that, you know, we're, we're all in. So it's a little bit of a, a re readjustment in, in terms of, you know, even approaching the day and, and daily tasks as well. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> what kind of advice could you give to someone that is trying to build a brand? It can be athlete, it could be whomever, I'm gonna keep it global. You know, what, you know, either types of tricks that they can do, or even I call, I ain't gonna call it social media hacks, but you know, things that people should be on the lookout for, or that they should be doing as they try to build their own brand. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of that stuff, at least for me, when, when I think about it and, and get this question, it's funny. It's like, I, I got this question. I was at a, um, I think it was a house party last weekend and someone was like, uh, they, they're kind of like half joking around, but they're like, yeah. oh, I, I make this like this hot sauce and I'm trying to figure out like how to, you know, we should make it into like a, a bigger brand or into something. And like, what should I call it? You know, like that, like that type of question. And I'm like, well, that's, that's a simple question, but it, you kind of have to take a step back in order to get to where you want to be and thinking about, you know, the ultimate kind of fundamentals and um, kind of the fundamentals of branding to, to the point of this question as well. And that's, that's kind of what I, I fall back on and, you know, going through your paces and thinking about like, what are you, what are you creating? And maybe it's even yourself and, you know, you're in your own self branding. Um, but what are you creating? What are you providing? And, and what about that is, you know, unique or tailored to what, um, 
you know, what would make someone follow you or be interested in your brand or whatever it may be. Um, you know, who is the audience or at least at this point, <laughs> who do you think your audience is that you'd be looking to engage with and, you know, where are they, if you're now starting to think about, you know, where should you be active or whatever, whatever it is, like where, where are they active? Where are they receptive? What are they receptive to? What, you know, do they care about? What's going to stand out to them? Um, and then, you know, thinking about the space that you're about to go into and what differentiates you from the competitors in the space and where is their white space and, and opportunities for growth and, um, and those types of components. So it's like a really boring answer to that, that type of question, but that's what I always fall back on. Like I immediately go into, you know, the questions that are kind of the fundamentals of how you want to start building out, you know, a business or a brand or, or whatever it may be. And that's where I find, you know, that kind of unlocks the creativity or the, um, you know, the threads for you to start, you know, pulling on or, or putting together. And then, you know, it's trial and error as well. And you kind of figure out things as you, as you go along, but having that foundation and at least, at least putting the effort to think it through a little bit. Um, I think, you know, that's, that's where you can unlock some of the, the starting points. Yeah. Uh, even just having the set of fundamental questions to ask yourself as you build a brand is crucial because like I myself or many other people may not know those fundamental questions on how to get really started on building, building a brand. You know, I, I do a lot of things by trial and error. I'm like, I right, let's try this, you know, and let it go for, you know, X five months. And if it don't work, well, we know we need to either, you know, tailor it again or go back and, and, and do something different. You know, I do a lot of trial by error. Like I said, I'm an engineer. Everything is always, you know, based off the principle of trial and error, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think I've been, it's funny. I've been listening to, um, to some podcasts. I'm like, now I'm like totally blanking on, on what's called it. It's an NPR podcast with, um, Guy Raz, but it, he's, he interviews different founders and a lot, you know, a lot of times they'll, they'll talk about, um, where they got started from and how they started to build their business and the things they learned along the way and, and all that. And it does, you know, one thing that does stand out in those, inter those interviews are like that one core insight, that one core problem that like they're trying to solve for that someone else or another business had not yet done. Um, and I kind of feel that, you know, branding in, in a certain way, maybe not like, what is the one core problem that you're solving for your audience? But, you know, what's that one core like you know, insight um, or opportunity that you're trying to build off of? And then, you know, that at the very beginning can unlock, um, you know, some direction and, and some of the components as well, before you even get to those other questions. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with that. What, uh did you have any uh, mentors along the way? And if so, like how important was that mentor um, to you in the growth of your career? Yeah, I mean, I would say mentorship has been funky in the last couple of years because like I haven't been able to meet people. <laughs> like, you know, we've I, I've been working from home for two years. Like I'm not in the office and interacting with folks as, as much as um, you would be. And, and, you know, that is kind of isolating for things like mentorship and I hate kind of saying like networking because that makes it sound so like, I don't know, I have a negative connotation about networking. Um, but those types of opportunities are, are pretty, have been pretty limited. So I feel like it, that is actually something that has, has been an effect of, uh, you know, the pandemic and, and things the past couple of years. Uh, I going through my career and probably because I moved around in different, um, from different companies, in different places pretty frequently up until ua is actually the longest i've been uh somewhere since you know my career uh started that i never really had someone within um the place i was working as like a true like mentor I took under their wing and we worked closely together for a few years but at ua there have been a couple of leaders that i that i've worked under um that i think i took a lot from and kind of watching how a you know they developed and matured into their roles and the and the ways that they took on kind of the challenges within the business um and then also just like the ways that they led and, and interacted with other folks and 
um, you know, leading in a very, you know, caring and, and empathetic way, um, you know, building a, a community for a larger team, um, you know, much more of those like soft skills. Uh, like I said, it, it, I don't think it was like, a, it's not direct mentorship where we checked in every month and it was like, how's your career going and, and that type of stuff. But I have had people that have been able to learn from by just being in their proximity and, and kind of working directly with them as well. I understand, I understand. Well, that wraps up the first part of our interview. So we're going to go ahead and, and have some fun to close things out. It's time for the Game Within the Game segment. So my very first question for you is, are you ready to play? Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. So the very first question, here we go, is uh, chocolate chip cookies, oatmeal raisin, sugar cookies, snickerdoodle, or oatmeal chocolate chip? Okay. Okay. Uh, I like I like a traditional chocolate chip cookie. Okay, that would be that would be my go-to. I I like things like for cookies. I like things that are a little bit sweeter. Sugar cookies, I, the texture, I don't like it. It kind of <laughs> the texture is tough for me. Um, oatmeal cookies are fine, but I, I prefer I prefer the a, a classic chocolate chip. Now, okay, now you know this guy here, Desmond said that uh, uh, Subway. Have, have you? Have you had Subway's cookies? I have, but not in a long time. Okay, because he said that they're really good. I, I just can't, I can't wrap my brain around a fast food place <laughs> having really good cookies. I guess on a consistent basis, I guess is my thing. Right, Maybe a, right. every once in a while, but not every time. Not every time. Yeah. No. I'll, I'll so, start checking it out. <laughs> Jay, Jay wants to go to place to go get cookies. What's my go-to place? Yeah. Uh, well, I like making food. I like making my own cookies. I have my own chocolate chip cookie uh, recipe that I really enjoy. I also have a um, you know, part of my family's German, so I have a German chocolate cake cookie that I that I make that I really enjoy. Um, so you know, those are those are my go-to's. Uh, I'm trying to think. There, there's one. Man, I'm gonna butcher it. I always I forget the name, but there's one in New York, and I know they started delivering, so, so we get them as like um you know christmas gifts and stuff like that they have a blue you know kind of a, a blue um wrapper and they're really thick cookies um uh, they're great but i'm totally blanking on the name someone out there is going to know it but i don't remember <laughs> but you said you got a recipe yeah yeah if you i have a couple recipes you can, can, can we hear one or is this it's a secret it's not a secret i don't okay. know it off the top of my head Oh, also, it's just but, you just make it out of love, then that's what it is. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. but I can share it. Okay, all right, we'll talk about that off. We'll about that yeah, off. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so your next uh question is TV shows or movies? I like movies, um, because I think the insidious thing about TV shows or not insidious, they're not evil. But the thing about TV shows, you'll be like, oh, I'll just watch like I'll watch one episode and then you watch one and then you watch two. And you end up watching a movie's worth of TV shows, so it's like, why not just watch a movie? And I prefer, you know, the the storytelling in in a movie and kind of getting through it in, you know, two hours, two and a half hours. Um, but I mean, I, I have TV shows I enjoy as well. I think there's been great, there have been great TV shows. But if I had to choose, I would just go directly for a movie. What's your favorite movie or your top five favorite movies that you watch? Uh. Man, top five movies. I'm trying to trying to think. Uh, and I'm even blank. I'm even blanking on one of them because I'm like, <laughs> I feel like I'm under pressure. <laughs> um, God, one of my favorite movies is is a Coen Brothers movie, uh, and it's it's a movie. It's got Woody Harrelson in it, uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, it's out in like California. There's no music in the whole movie. So there's nothing that gives you a cue as if like something is impending or about to happen. Um, or, you know, if, you know, no foreshadowing or anything. And so because of that, it's just eerie throughout the entire movie. And there's, you know, one guy that kind of plays the like, 
arbiter of good or bad, life or death? Is he you know, just fate or are things like pre predisposition? Um, no country for old men. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, no country for old men. I was looking at yeah, that, like, that sounds like no country, but I'm like, maybe not. I said, let yeah, me look. Yeah. I was going to check it the cross reference to make sure. But yes, that's I was going to say, yeah, that's what it is. Yep. So that that's one. I mean, I kind of follow directors. So like a lot of Paul Thomas Aronson movies I like, a lot of Coen Brothers movies I like, um, you know, Linklater movies I like, David Lynch, even though they're kind of like, uh, I don't know, art schooly and <laughs> some of his older <laughs> movies I, I appreciate. Um, so yeah, no, but no country role that's probably my like at least once a year I'll watch that and I always like come away from it at the end. I'm like, man, like, it just always causes me to like look at it a little bit differently or I'll pick out like yeah. I'll notice something all the different and just you know I can I can play around with it. Um, I will say one thing that my wife and I have been doing is we have two sets of movies because we realized we hadn't seen like a lot of these like classic movies like um, uh, uh, Casablanca or um, I don't know, The Godfather and stuff like that. So we started a list of like the hundred top movies of all time. And then also The Ringer had a list of like the top 50 cult movies of all time. Um, so when we've been like, oh, what should we watch tonight or should we watch a movie? We've been referring to that list and watching anything we hadn't previously seen, um, which has been, that's been pretty good. It's been a, a good way to, to get through some classics and then also get through some, uh, some unintentionally funny like 80s movies. <laughs> I like that idea. Yeah. I do. That's a solid idea. I'm going to I'm have to take that. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm trying to ask this question without trying to get you in trouble at the same time. Okay. So who is your favorite five in the NBA right now? Favorite five in the NBA. Does it have to be by position or can it just be top five players? He could be is your five. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I won't stick to you guys. So Jalen Brown is one. Um, I, like I said, I'm from, I'm from New England. Um, watching him grow with the Celtics uh, as a player, but also just like as a person and, you know, kind of finding his voice um, off the court, I think has been, has been great. Um, so, so that's, that's why he's, you know, he's my top player. He's my favorite player. Um, I love watching Cole Anthony this year. So, and just the way that he's grown as well and matured um, and kind of come into his own. So, I mean, those would be two. Uh, from a UA, I don't want to say like my favorite, but uh, Patty Mills is, is an amazing guy. The same way that I was talking about uh, Jalen and what, you know, he started to develop, you know, his persona off the court. Um, Patty does amazing work uh, off the court as well, particularly in Australia. Um, you know, his, his story is incredible. Um, he's part indigenous. He started a basketball league for indigenous Australians um, to you know, get exposure to the sport, to get exposure to community um, and to kind of you know, grow within their community. Um, and then even when there were the wildfires in Australia as well, he did a ton of work uh, supporting those. So, I mean, he's a, he's a fantastic, fantastic guy. And, and of course, Stefan, you know, arguably the greatest of all time um but both for what he you know his consistency and the work ethic and the way that you know he's developed you know his game and completely changed uh completely changed the game in the modern era um is unbelievable and always kind of you know coming to work and coming with that that chip on his shoulder of being you know a three-star undersized recruit and then where he's gone to as you know the all-time three-point shooter is is unbelievable and then you know, his commitment off the court and uh, to, uh, you know, providing opportunities for kids, for providing, um, you know, safe education around, um, you know, health and play. Um, I think, you know, that's, that's incredible as well. So I've got four and let's see with my five, where do I want to go? Because there, there are a bunch of guys that are kind of like in the mix for me. Um, probably KD, um, again, for, you know, his impact on the game and, you know, what he's been able to do off the court and, and growing, 
what I think almost is fantastic about, you know, the example that he's been able to lead is, is almost from like that financial perspective and the way that he's you know, become this lead investor and, and grown, um, you know, his portfolio and showing, you know, coming into the league and developing as an athlete, but also, you know, developing as a strong kind of model for, for business savvy and, and sound investments. I mean, it's incredible looking, he's invested in overtime, he's invested in Robinhood, he's, um, you know, invested in Coinbase and in a bunch of other um, areas. Uh, just seeing that development and maturation, I think is great. And he's an incredible player, so. <laughs> he is an incredible player. Okay, okay, okay. So what is your favorite uh, sports moment that you have ever seen or witnessed? Seen or witnessed? I was in Boston for a lot of championships, uh, but I was never like at one of them. Um, so like a lot of the, a lot of like the parades surrounding it and just being in Boston for, for championships are, were always fun. Uh, I would actually, this is maybe a cop out a little bit, but I mean, I would say one of my own, uh, in college, we won our conference championship and went to the NCAA tournament for the first time for our school. And that, like that moment of like, when, you know, the clock ticked to zero, like we had been up throughout the entire game. It was kind of, you know, I think we ended up winning by five or something like that. Like we, yeah. you know, you knew it was going, going to happen, but like those last two minutes, we were just like waiting to get there. And like, it feels like those two minutes are like trapped in time. And then like the final moment when it happened and like celebrating with like, you know, all the guys that you've been around every day for hours <laughs> you know, throughout the entire process and just like that moment of accomplishment. Um, that's probably like my, my favorite sport, you know, sports moment or thing that I've witnessed been a part of. Okay. That's not a cop out. You know, there's been plenty <laughs> of other people that came on to say like, you know, a favorite movement uh, moment is like when they won a state championship or went back to back. So that's never a cop out. You know? All right. All right. Yeah. Um, so if you can go pro in any sport other than I'll say basketball and lacrosse, what would it be? <laughs> so I've had, I, I always have this question with like my friends as like a thought, experiment of like yeah because then you have to balance like well what's your lifestyle like uh how long can you play for um you know how how much can it kind of provide for you you know long term and so on and i i feel like golf would be it not but it's not because i like golf i actually don't cool. go i can't go i i had my shoulder reconstructed like i can't physically golf but you get to travel all over the world to like great places. Um, you can play until you're, you know, 60 years old, 70 years old. Like if you still have the talent and, and want to play, you can. Um, it just seems like a great lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that because someone was talking to me earlier about, you know, golf is like one of the sport where almost anyone can really play. It doesn't really matter how good or bad you are but it's just a sport that you know literally almost anybody can play like, yeah yeah touche so i was the other one i was thinking was tennis because of the kind of the same things you're you're you know you're traveling all these places around the world you can play until you're older all that type of stuff but it's still i mean that that's way more rigorous <laughs> like physically demanding even if you still can do it until you're older this is true yeah can't, can't be mad at that that's i mean golf is we've heard that sentiment a lot so golf is definitely a top top one for sure um let's see your next one if you could be a hype man for any artist who would it be oh oh man uh i don't think of myself as much of a hype man so <laughs> that's that's where it gets gets a little tricky um I'm trying to think of like if there were any albums like really recently 
that I got real like real like really sucked into. I actually really this is gonna be an, an odd one, um, and I, I would say probably not like someone who's like super hyped right now and a little bit. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, uh, Denzel Curry's last album I really enjoyed, and so maybe that's where I would go. He needs a little okay. bit more love. Okay. 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 It's an undercover one. I, I like the little <laughs> swoop there. Yeah, 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 for sure. <clears throat> okay. Um, if you had a chance to take over any organization, you know, who would you choose? You know, this organization, it doesn't have to be sports related. It can just be anything in the whole world. Okay. Okay. Uh, I was gravitating towards sports when you said, because when you said organization, I thought sports right away. Uh, so you threw me for a little bit on the like anything in the world uh, and like any, any business. I'll st- I'll say with sports. Uh, I would definitely. I've gotten lately really into like the business of um, of football, and I mean like global football, soccer, um, and just the way that clubs are structured because it's a different model than how U.S. based. You know, U.S. sports are based. I mean, baseball's maybe the closest because of not really having a salary cap. You know, there's kind of a soft cap and that type of stuff. But the financials uh, in European and global football are it just it's free market essentially. Um, so, man, I'm trying to think of like, do you go to a, would would I want to be in charge of one one of like the power clubs like you know, Man City or like Newcastle has got a ton of money or PSG or something like that. But I was actually just in Lisbon and went to a Benfica match and really, really enjoyed myself. And the way that they produce talent and their academy is, you know, the best in the world. I think they've made the most off of player sales in the past 10 years of any club. Um, So to have that type of foundation and then be able to build their business to be more of a um, less insular and very Portuguese based, but then you know, use the Champions League and other elements to build out a global base a bit more on top of that uh, just pipeline of talent. I think, and, you know, building additional revenue streams off of it, I think that'd be my, my choice. I go Benfica, Portugal. Okay. 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 I like the answer. I, uh, that's enough. One of my 2022 goals is, you know, understand to learn more into FIFA. Yeah. So that's, that's a good, that's a good way in. That's, that's my, that's my other challenge for the year. Juan, I know you got something to say. Nope. Nope. Nothing at all. Okay. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. But all right, Jay, hold on. We go, we can, we can wrap this up. So Jay, <laughs> uh, hardest question of all. You know, how can people follow you and keep up with your career and keep up with everything that you have going going on in your life? Yeah, I mean, you can uh, LinkedIn is a is a place. You know, I'm always open to connect with anyone, um, and you know, of course, have uh, conversations just as people are trying to you know find their way uh, within you know the sports industry or within basketball. Um, you know, honestly, I, I I talk to a lot of students. I, I love talking to folks and kind of telling my story and and all that. So, um, you know, Jay Shemansky on, on LinkedIn, um, you can find me there. And then actually like, I think it was yesterday. I, I had Twitter for a long time. I got rid of it and I just started a, a not like a profile, but a, yeah, I guess like a profile, whatever, uh, like yesterday. So right now it's like my face and nothing else. And I follow like 20 accounts um but you can follow me there as well it's my first you know first initial j and then shemensky you know my last name so um i'll start populating that over the next next few days um and, and get that you know rebuilt up a bit uh, but i would say those are probably the the two best places okay well you heard us here ladies and gentlemen go ahead give jay a follow on all his social media platforms and while you're at it please be sure to give caption game a follow on their social media platforms as well that's ctg underscore podcast on twitter facebook um instagram even on tiktok you can find us on there um snapchat 
Uh, you can also find us on your favorite uh, podcast platform, whether it be Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, whatever the case may be, whatever your favorite podcast platform is, you can find us on there. Jay, it's been wonderful um, talking to you, man. Looking forward to um, just seeing your career continue to unfold and just continue just to, to pick your, your, your brain as time goes on. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate it. And it was great to, uh, to chat.